We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of Your Welcome Radio. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, founder of Coachable. I'm a corporate dropout and recovering people pleaser turned online entrepreneur, speaker, and self-love junkie. And each week, I bring you a thought or a guest to help you get inspired, stay connected, and slay your fear dragons. So get ready to thank yourself for listening, because you're welcome here. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another week of Your Welcome Radio. This week, I have a very special guest, Miss Samantha Daly, who is an incredible life and mindset coach living over in Spain. She's also the host of the Makeshift Happen podcast, and she's somebody that I have admired for a while now, and just her work and the way she shows up in the world, how she serves her clients, and really embodies what it means to to love yourself and to be in your power and in your flow. And so I had to ask her to come on the show and just share with you guys how she got to where she is and some of the wisdom that she shares with her clients on a weekly basis. This ended up being such an amazing conversation with so many golden nuggets and things that I am confident you will take away and be able to apply to your life. It is such a good, good, good episode, and it was such a fun conversation to have. So I'm excited for you guys to listen. But before we jump in, I do want to make an announcement about the upcoming Relationship Masterclass. I'm going to be hosting all of October, October 7th, 14th, and 21st. This Relationship Masterclass is on sale for a very limited time, only for $333. And what it's included is three sessions, group, three group sessions with me. Session one, we're going to be going into the relationship to the self. This is all about personal empowerment, owning your story, not letting it own you, how to develop self-trust. And we're going to discuss things like self-love and how you can actually start to make progress in this area. Session two on October 14th is all about your relationship to others. So in this session, we're going to go into some projections work because the truth is if you can spot it in someone else that means you got it I'm going to be talking about boundaries attachment styles how to deal with confrontation and really know when your relationships have hit their expiration date and then session three is all about your relationship to the divine to your higher self we're going to talk about how to make spirituality tangible I'll take you through a process of forgiveness and surrender we're going to talk more about allowance and acceptance and It's not going to be a a series that you want to miss. I can guarantee that each and every one of these sessions is going to be packed with 
amazing teaching, but also practical application that you can take away and implement into your life immediately. And again, this is on sale just for um, the next two days for $3.33. Otherwise, it is going to go back up. So make sure you get signed up today at the link in the show notes or in the bio on all my social media platforms. Coach Tori Gordon is where you can find me on TikTok and Instagram. I also just want to point out, if you can't join live on those three dates, that's absolutely okay, and I don't want that to hinder you from signing up. We are going to be recording each of these sessions and sending them out to everybody who's participating, so you will have this information for good after the recordings have been released. So you're not going to miss a thing if you can't join us live. However, we would love to have you there if you can join us on those days. And there's also a special incentive. So in the next few weeks, I am going to be offering free, yes, free breathwork sessions with me. Both one-on-one and group sessions are going to be available because I am entering into... 70 hours of practicum um, in my breathwork certification program. And I want to start to work with my clients and you guys to help you build more safety in the body, release some old trauma and stuck emotion and stored energy, release your anxiety and your stress. And all of this is available and accessible to you through breathwork. So I'm going to be offering those one-on-one and group coaching um, breathwork spots to the people that are in the relationship masterclass and to my clients and my other programs first. So if you want to get your hands on that offer and be a part of, of breathwork with me and get facilitated by me at no cost to you, then you definitely want to make sure that you sign up for the Relationship Masterclass because you will get first dibs on those um, those sessions. And when we are totally booked up, uh, at that point, it's no gonna, longer going to be available. So please go to the link in my bio or torygordon.com slash Relationship Masterclass to sign up today. Now with no further ado, let's get into today's episode. Samantha, thank you so much for being on. I'm really, really excited. We're finally doing this. It's been a long time coming, I feel like. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tori. I know we've been trying to get this in the works for a while, so I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. For sure. Yeah. So, listeners, I've been kind of following Samantha for, I don't know, probably a year um, on social media. She stuck out to me as somebody who kind of she just spoke my language in terms of the things that I was really learning at the time. And, um, she's an incredible coach, um, who just has a lot of wisdom to share with, with you guys today. And that's why I wanted to have her on. Uh, so again, welcome. And I would love for you just to share with, with listeners who you are, where you come from, what's a little bit about your story and how did you, um, like what brought you to where you are today as, as a coach living over in Spain and yeah, how your, how your life came to be to where you are right now. Yeah. So I'd love to share with you guys a little bit about my, my background and how I got to where I am. As Tori mentioned, I live in Spain, which is usually the biggest um, thing that people like to know, like how, where, when, why, like that's usually the thing that um, sparks the most questions for people. So we'll just do a really quick wrap up of what happened. Basically, I studied (laughs) Spanish in school um, in all through high school. 
And then also in college, it was like my minor of study. So my junior year of school, I decided to study abroad, which brought me to Madrid, Spain. And I lived here with a host family for a semester and was traveling around Europe and really trying to work on getting fluent in the language. And as this part of... Um, yeah, like this immersion experience, I thought it would be a really good idea <laughs> to download a dating app and try to meet Spanish guys. So this is like the long, the, the long story short version of how I met my, my current partner. And so, yeah, it, we just kind of like met on a whim while I was here studying and, and we dated throughout the couple of months that I was here. And then I went back home um, to finish school. I was studying at the Ohio State in Columbus, Ohio. And we had no plans of like staying together or like being some like international relationship or anything like that. Like it was a fun fling thing, but that obviously like stuck and we stayed in contact and then we had some trips back and forth. And so when it was time for me to graduate from school, I was really like in this moment of I don't know. I feel like it was, it was kind of like a quarter life crisis, but like, it wasn't that bad of a crisis, but it was, I was just really in a space of questioning a lot of things. Like ever since I had come back from Spain, I was uh, doing an internship the summer after I had studied abroad in Chicago, um, working in communications and PR, which was what I had studied. And I just was like starting to fear that maybe that wasn't what was really going to make me happy. Um, you know, sitting in the office every day in the cubicle, that was like a warning sign almost. And I felt like if I don't enjoy it now, it, can I really convince myself that because when it's full time or when it's somewhere else that I'm just going to love it and it's going to be everything I've ever wanted. And also there was that, you know, pending thing of like, and then there's this guy that, you know, I'm totally in love with and he lives across the world. And I also really loved my time in Spain and in Europe. And I felt like when I left, I wasn't done with studying and exploring and learning and really like finding myself in that way. So that's basically how that all like culminated into me essentially rejecting my corporate job offers, um, like at graduation and choosing to move back to Spain for a year to do the like English teaching route that a lot of Americans and uh, like British and Australian people do in Europe, because there's such a, a big opportunity to, to go and be able to travel and do stuff. Right. It's not something that you do for money. <laughs> Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's an experience. And I knew that I wanted to go back and figure out where that would go and try out my relationship and learn the language more and explore the culture and do all those things because I was uncertain. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to that, you know, maybe not in that same way or same capacity, but especially with like COVID and everything, I think a lot of people are now finding themselves in a space of questioning, yeah. is this what I really want is this really making me happy? Should I stay? Should I go? Should I change? What would that even look like? And there's a lot of fear that comes along with that. So that was a huge part of my journey as well, which, which I can definitely speak to. Um, but yeah, that's how I, that's basically how I got to Spain in the first place. And then I was teaching English, which I'm, I, I no longer do <laughs> or else I wouldn't be on this podcast. Um, but so yeah, I mean, now I'm, I'm, 
fully self-employed. I'm a professional life and mindset coach, and I do a lot of similar work um, like Tori. And I think that's why we connected so well on social media. And I was just saying to her before we started recording, I feel like I know her. Like, I feel like I know you, even though we definitely, we don't know each other, but like, it seems like we do um, because we can connect on so many, on so many different levels and those types of things. Um, But yeah, that's kind of a little bit of a background of how I got to where I am and um, what I do now, I guess. This is kind of a side note. I don't know where this is going to take this conversation, but yesterday I had um, sort of like an intuitive reading. Um, It was really like a human design um, session. I'd never um, really gone deep into human design or anything like that. And the girl told me, she was like, in your life, it's, there's a lot of, um, like, I'm almost like cleaning up a lot of karma in this lifetime. So it's really, really common for me. Every, it's like almost everyone I meet, it's, even if it's just like somebody on the street or you, like us feeling like we've known each other in, or something, it's like, yeah, it probably you do. You probably do know each other. And now there's like something that's like coming full circle, which is cool. Because I was talking about this with somebody the other day, how the, you know, unseen realms, the spiritual realms, the higher dimensions, what have you, aren't really based in time. And so like our souls could know each other already. And then we just meet in this meet yeah. in person. It's like, oh, things are just like catching up. Um, yeah. When you, when you, when you meet those people that you just like immediately like gel with vibe with, you feel like you know them or you've known them or you know them for a day and you're like, I feel like I've known you my whole life. Mm-hmm. They definitely say that there's like, yeah, there's, there's a soul you know, spiritual, yeah, there's a spiritual element involved yeah. in, in that energy when you meet yeah. someone like that for sure. So cool. Well, I'm interested in, in knowing kind of what led you down the path of, of personal and spiritual development? Like, how did you end up now as a coach teaching this, coaching people through their own journey and process of, of figuring out, you know, who they are and what they want? What was that? When did you start to dabble in this space? And what was it that caused you to really decide this is what I want to do full time? But Tell us more about kind of that part of your life. Yeah, because it definitely wasn't a plan. Like it was nothing that I ever, that I could have ever like foreseen, um, which I think is another like beautiful divine lesson, right? For all of us is like a lot of the places that we go and where we end up is very unexpected or you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Even with like the people that you meet or the people that you get into relationships with, you're just like, wow, I could have never guessed that like you'd be the person that I end up with. And I think- you know, sometimes we try to control and plan so much, but then when those really unexpected blessings and things happen, it reminds you like, oh yeah, I don't need to control because I don't have all the answers and I never will. (laughs) And it's just better when I let things unfold. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, this was like not, I was not planning to become a coach. I was not planning to move to Europe to like be an entrepreneur or work online or do any of that. So how it really started for me was definitely when I, when I moved to Spain and I, so after study abroad, if anyone here listening has ever studied abroad, I'm sure they can relate. You just like have so much fun and you drink so much and you eat so much that you just, you just come back a little, a little plumper than Mm -hmm. when you started. (laughs) So 
that was kind of like after that trip, I was in a really negative space in terms of like body image, wanting to lose weight, not liking the way that I looked, trying to force myself into a different shape or way of being or looking, right? So when I came back to Spain to actually move here, um, it started to like, I started to be more conscious of that and realize, Hey, this like, isn't working right. Me like cutting out all these food groups and like working out twice a day and like, you know, having all these rules and restrictions and, and crazy thoughts about like, Oh my gosh, I'm so fat, which I wasn't fat. I've never been. And you know, I hate that saying of like, I'm fat that, you know, people always say you're not fat. You have fat, right. You are not fat. You have fat. Um, but so that was, I think the body image piece was the thing that really kickstarted my journey into personal development. I wanted to get out of that headspace mm-hmm. to like feel better about myself, reconnect with myself, experience more self-love, all those things. So I started, uh, I started getting back into yoga, which was something that I've always practiced since I was a little kid with my mom. Cause she would just uh, practice yoga in the family room on the living room floor. Um, so I was never like a crazy yogi or anything like that, but I just remembered that practice signifying to me like this feeling of acceptance, groundedness, peace, And so in that moment, I was like, okay, maybe that's what I need. Like maybe yoga will help me, you know, get, get out of this, this mental headspace. So I started practicing yoga a lot more. I quit the gym and I started looking for podcasts. That was my first experience of searching for podcasts. I was like, I need positivity and inspiration in my life. Like I just, I need that injection every day to remind me like, you're worthy. You're good to go. Like, this is how we're moving forward. Keep me motivated. Keep me inspired. So I found, um, I was looking, actually, I just did this random arbitrary search for yoga podcasts. Cause I had no idea what I was looking for. I don't even know what that means. Yoga podcast. <laughs> so I, I, I came, I came across Rachel Brayton, who is yoga girl on, on Instagram and her podcast is called the yoga girl podcast. So of course it populated for me. And I connected with her content a lot and started consuming her podcasts, which led me to a lot of other people's podcasts. And that was kind of how I got sucked in <laughs> to the world of personal development. And I really, it like it ignited something in me and I just, I loved it. And then I was addicted to it and I wanted to learn all the meditation techniques. And I started using the affirmations and reading the books. And that's kind of where that world opened up for me. And as you know, you probably have like a similar experience. Once you get into it and you experience what it does for you on a personal level, you're like, holy shit, I want to share this with people. Like, this is so good. You know, like I feel so amazing and I just want to help other people feel the same way. Like I want to reach my hand back and be like, you don't have to suffer. Like just take my hand do what I'm telling you. Like, I swear it's worked for me. Like I will help you. Mm -hmm. I think that's what our work really is about is helping people get there faster and not having to struggle for as, for as long as you have, or, you know, as long as they have and really kind of fast track that journey to a better, more positive, more beautiful life. Yeah. So uh, there's so much I connect with when you say that, um, because I do, I mean, I do feel like the work that I do now, and I've always 
kind of intuitively knew, known this, like I'm meant to impact people. Like I thought I wanted to go into ministry when I was young. Like I was like literally looking for where I belonged and how I could impact people like my whole life. Um, yeah. And obviously that's changed a lot. Um, but yeah, I do. I feel like my mission here is to help people experience themselves in a deeper way and, and really unlearn all of the things that block us from experiencing our own love and our own power. Um, and you just talking about yoga. It's funny that you said this before we started recording. I was saying, I, I feel like this podcast and a lot of what I do is, is a bridge for people to get into this world and to experience um, life in a different way. But it's, it's funny because yoga was one of the building blocks for me too. Um, I started taking Bikram yoga. I don't know if you know what Bikram is, but super hot. <laughs> and yeah. um, low-key controversial, if you know yes, anything it about is, Bikram. But, <laughs> well, the, the technique or the flow of it, the way we do it, I actually don't call it Bikram anymore because of- Yeah, the, they changed yeah. it. Mm-hmm, because of the controversy. So anyway, but yeah, I started doing that. And I remember like the first week, the goal was literally just to stay in the room. It was so hot. And just mm-hmm. to let my body- like begin to adapt to that environment and it was so subtle and I didn't put it together now but I see how in different times of big transition and big contrast and big change in my life there was there's a season where I had to just let myself adapt to this new way of being and like this new thing that I was either stepping into or walking into and I really didn't know what that was but I was just there I was like I'm here just trying this new thing. And, but I also didn't know it was going to be such a catalyst for me to experience my body in any way. And so it was, for me, it was like that first taste of, I remember waking up one day and going back to class and my body being able to do something it couldn't do the day before. Yeah. Thinking, holy shit, my body's powerful. That's amazing. How could, how could that happen? And I was like, wow, that I'm, I'm pretty my body's pretty cool if it can do that. And which was a, definitely a, a shift in perspective for me because I had been very critical and s- similar to you of my body. I saw, started to see the power in it. And, and that led me to string of events that, that ended up to where I am now. Um, because I think it's also one of those things that allows you to experience yourself in a new way, but brings in this it brings us internal and, and brings our attention to things that we haven't been putting our attention on, which is maybe what's the sensation of my body. Oh, maybe I can just make this like subtle, small tweak. It doesn't have to be this big drastic movement, but like just stretching a little further, you start to like, I think make these connections in your brain. I don't know about how everything you do doesn't have to be a big deal. You can make a subtle adjustment and it could change the whole posture for you. But it, in the same in our lives, like we can make one minor adjustment in the heat of a moment when we want to respond or react in an old way. And that can, that can just be a domino effect. Um, yeah. Growth. Yeah. I, I think yoga has a lot of lessons to teach us that are like way beyond like physical movement or doing a handstand or anything like that, which is what you really learn when you start to do the practice yourself. Um, and I actually ended up doing my yoga teacher training because I got so 
into the practice and just loving what it was teaching me. But I think it's interesting how you say, um, you know, I, I just had to adapt or adapt to the heat, the temperature of the room or the idea of showing up every day for it or whatever it is. But it's like, that is one of the things that yoga really, I think has to teach people is this idea of getting comfortable in the uncomfortable, which is a total life lesson that we all have to learn at one point or another. We're really like pushed and forced into it most of the time. Um, because we, we never, we rarely willingly go out into, you know, the unknown or outside of our comfort zone until you do that many times. And you learn like that, that place has a lot of power. Then you maybe start to push yourself there more often but in the beginning, we have to be forced. And I think probably for you and I, yoga was one of those initial experiences that really pushed and forced you outside the comfort zone to be like, hey, just sit here and just feel it. Like you don't have to do anything except for sit in the discomfort. And that is actually a place where a lot of answers come which is why a lot of people don't get answers, right? Is because they're unwilling to sit, which is the whole idea of meditation too, right? Which you'll know and breath work and all these things that make you sit in silence or in, in some sort of disciplined position. Mm -hmm. That's like, you are not allowing your mind to run wild and go off in all these different directions the way that it wants to, the way that we and society has really trained it to, right? We're all chronically overthinkers at this point. And so anytime we try to just come back, pull back, be in silence, be in stillness, there is so much resistance there. But when you start to explore that space, you learn that there's also a lot of answers in the resistance. So true. I mean, I think like to that point, it increases our capacity to be with what is, right? Like to not try to change it, to not try to fix it, not try to get out of it. But it's this, this learning allowing. to build your, yeah, allowing your capacity to just be and observe like you said, not identify with the feeling or the discomfort or the fat, not that I am fat, I have fat, not like I am overthinking or like I am anxious, I am feeling, I'm experiencing anxiety, right? Like starting to just neutrally observe, oh, I feel that, yep, it's there, it's present and just be an allowance of what is, yeah, I mean, that is one of the fundamental things. I think there are several things that have really helped me get into flow in my life, like an energy of just ease. Um, but it was a result of spending time in, in the constriction and in the resistance and being with that and like exactly what you said. I think that's really profound and important for people to know that they don't have yeah. to run from that. Yeah. I, and I love, I love that, you know, you touched on this idea of, yeah, like separating yourself from your thoughts or your mind. Cause that's, that's a huge, that's a huge thing that really contributes to a lot of our suffering, a lot of our anxiety, depression, overthinking, nervousness, uncertainty, all those things is when we really 
get way too identified with the thoughts that are going on inside of our mind. And people really think like, this is my thought. This is my experience. This is me, right? So if the thought or experience is negative or it's anxious or it's suicidal or it's whatever it is, it's like, that's me. Yeah, we become but, yeah, like you, you become defined by it and you identify your thoughts as part of who you are. But something that, that you learn through meditation is, yeah, like you are not your thoughts. That's, that's a saying that I'm sure a lot of people have heard. And sometimes you hear it and you just, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. But when you really think about it, the way that I like to describe it is, um, you know, like a perfect example, a virus, let's say. <laughs> okay. So uh, a virus, it, it exists in the world, in the space. It's floating around, right? We can't really see it, but it's definitely there. It attaches on to certain people and infects them for a while. And then they may give it to somebody else and they will have it and carry it for a while. And they might give it to somebody else. And then there may be some people that just don't even get touched by that virus, right? They're just somehow it doesn't come in contact with them. This is how I like for people and my clients to really think about thoughts, to work on this concept of removing your identity from the things that you're thinking, right? You are not your thoughts, meaning that you can think about these thoughts as these airborne pathogens, right? Just like a virus or a bacteria. It's there and you may have been infected by it, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be with you forever or that it has to be with you forever, and it also doesn't mean that you need to infect somebody else with it, right? Which is a lot of times what happens, generational trauma and the things that we learn from our family and parents and all that kind of stuff. That really, you know, goes along well with this type of analogy because it does often work that way. And like you said earlier, it's this process of unlearning, mm -hmm. right? So if we can disassociate ourselves, our identity, our soul from the thoughts that are happening in our mind, we can realize, okay, this is an experience that I'm having, right? A thought has come to me and I'm experiencing it. How do I feel about that, right? Become the observer of your mind rather than being in it and obsessed by it and controlled by it and totally identified with it. Um, and that is obviously a lot easier said than done. It takes work to really become an observer of your thoughts, but that's why people practice meditation, right? Is because you take this time each day to sit and just observe and just okay. let the thoughts pop up and be like, okay, that's there. Like you said, okay, it's there, but it's not me. So I can either accept it or I can reject it. That's my choice. Yeah. And I think people get that confused and I hear this a lot from my clients and uh, people from the show and on social media that, that meditation feels hard. Like they think it's, you're supposed to get rid of all your thoughts and totally. it's the idea is you're actually supposed to just notice them and observe them. And like, I like to think of it as, as like a leaf is floating on the water and you see that leaf floating and then it continues to float by and, and then it continues like go downstream and it doesn't stay with you. Right. And I think this too, when somebody really grap like grasps this truth, you start to realize that meditation, like you can live your life in a meditative way. Like you don't, meditation is great and it's amazing practice and I, and it's part of my practice, but I also really think when I am really attuned to myself and living from like 
consciously that I live in a meditative state because I'm, I'm observing the thoughts and I'm not identifying with them. And it's not defining now my experience or my reality because I know and I've practiced and I've trained my mind to allow them to flow through. And yeah, you're just, you're less reactive, right? right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think for people wanting just like a practical thing you can do and you might have something for them too. Personally, one of the things I do is when I'm feeling overwhelmed or feeling like I've got a lot in my head, this is something my teacher calls the structured mind where most people live our whole lives being in your head, um, which is a whole nother conversation because you don't always have to operate and live from that place. Um, is it's a lot of black and white. It's a lot of judgment. It's a lot of just, it's like rigid. It feels kind of harsh. Um, when I'm in that place, I've trained, I've been trained now to, to notice those subtleties and when I'm in that state. And I, I actually write down the thoughts that I'm having and get them out of me and get a little bit of distance from them. So when I read them back, I can actually see how like, wild they are. This is ridiculous story. Like this is what I'm saying to myself. Now I can apply truth to this. Right. And I've, I've gotten it out of me. I'm no longer, they're no longer like in my being. Now they're out on paper. I've got distance and I can actually see it for what it is, which is just a story. It's just a thought. It's not who I am and I can take it or leave it. Yeah. And I think, I think that's great advice, especially with writing things down. You know, journaling is a huge part of, of my practice and what I teach my clients. And the reason why is exactly what you've said there is this transfer of energy, right? Is your, you know, thoughts, uh, thoughts are our energy, right? And so our emotions, that's what I think there's a saying about emotions that it's like energy in motion. Okay. Yeah. So the way that we can like actually move this stuff is to give it somewhere to go, which is why like talk therapy is, you know, super impactful for a lot of people because they're moving the energy, the thoughts and the emotions that are bouncing around inside of them. And rather than allowing them to stay trapped in there, they're giving them a place for them to go. Mm -hmm. So you don't really need a lot of times, you don't even need a solution for a lot of the things that we struggle with. It's like, you just need to move it out, (laughs) right? You don't need like, and that's, we get caught in that trap too, of thinking like, no one can help me because they don't understand my situation and they don't know what I'm going through and they can't relate. Mm -hmm. But like, sometimes you don't even need a solution. You just Mm -hmm. need to let it go. You just need to move the thoughts and the emotions out of you and put it somewhere else so that you can open up the space to receive more love and joy and acceptance in your life. Because right now you're, you're filled up to the brim with worry or anxiety or anger or resentment or grief or whatever it is that you're going through. Right. So that, that transfer of energy is very real. Um, and you know, I think some people have a hard time believing that writing or speaking is really, you know, an energetic process, but everything is energy, right? And, and so if we give it somewhere to go, it really does free up space within us. Yeah. I mean, I've experienced that for myself and for people that like, if you're feeling stuck or or confused or maybe just like disconnected from your body or for, from yourself, like I do a lot of embodiment work with my clients. So yes, I work with them on the mental aspect um, and the emotional aspect, but really like allowing that to sink into 
our like our heart space, but also our biology. Like our one of my teachers says, our biography becomes our biology, meaning the story that you tell yourself, the story you live out actually gets stored in your body. Yeah. And, and becomes actual physical manifestations of that and in forms of varying forms of disease and all of that, because there has to be a breakdown. What happens, you're putting stress when you're continually thinking these thoughts, stressful thoughts, you're putting stress on yourself, stress and tension, um, which that energy, like you said, impacts our our cellular makeup, like all our, our whole body. And over time that breaks down something somewhere that breaks down in the body. But I think for people, um, that are like, maybe I'm, I don't, I think one default response to a lot of people who, um, are getting into this work is I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know can be used as, as like a default, way to like check out and not have to do the work. It's like, oh, if somebody asks them a question or, or if I ask my client a question, how are you feeling? I don't know. You know, well, if you did, one thing I like to ask, if you did know, exactly, <laughs> what would that be? You know, <laughs> because typically we're so used to saying, I don't know, or the same as I'm fine to get out, like the conversation can end there right? Mm-hmm. Because that's a protective response. But I, I really dig in and ask people and myself to go deeper. What's really under that? What if, if I did know what was there? And I have a practice, um, this is something I also teach my clients, which is a feeler of just noticing and speaking from, not from the mind, but from the body of what's present. Like maybe it's sensations, tension, emotion, like what is really present in the body. And there was a day that I um, kind of felt like offline, like as I was trying to kind of drop down into the body and out of the mind, there is like this energetic shift that, that happens. I felt like really blocked, that it was felt, felt hard to, that I couldn't really drop into my body. And in my feeler, what happened, and I do this with partner every single day at the same time, it's part of my weekly rituals. We have a Friday 10 a.m. call and she does this and I do this. We hold space for each other just to speak literally about what's present in our bodies. And as soon as I gave words to the block that I was feeling, I was like, I just feel like there's something in the way of me being able to really drop in and feel right now. And as soon as I said it, it just, it, it like disappeared because I gave words to something, even if I didn't understand it, or I I could have been like, nope, blocked, can't do it today. You know, Mm -hmm. actually just saying it out loud, like you're saying that transfer of energy released it. It it released just because I, I gave it. Expressed it. Yeah. Yeah. Expressed it. And then I was able to like, then I was, had a well up of emotion because I was so grateful for that power, the power that we have, that we are empowered to have that kind of uh, influence over our bodies and our experiences instead of just always feeling stuck, like I'm a victim and I can't control it. And this is just what I have to deal with today that you do like your voice, your words, they're so powerful and they carry resistance or they carry love and freedom in the energy yeah. that goes right on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of like what 
this reminds me of or makes me think of is this this idea of permission, right? A lot of times we just feel like we need the permission to actually be able to access that or say how we feel or say what we want. This happens a lot with my clients when we're talking about manifestation, right? A lot of times they'll say, I'm unhappy in my job or I'm unhappy in my relationship or maybe not even unhappy. Like things are fine, but like, I feel like I want more, but I don't know what that is. Right. And going back to that, that point of, I don't know, is kind of like a really easy cop out to be like, hopefully somebody else will just do it for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things about coaching sometimes is people think that the coach is just going to have all of the answers and give them to you. But really what the coach does is the coach empowers you and allows you to put yourself in the vulnerable situation to allow you to access your own answers that you already have because you always have them, right? You always know. So you're right. Like that is kind of part of the work is, well, if you did know, you know, what would it be? Or if you, if you did feel a certain way, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, and really, really pushing people to, to access their own answers, because I really think everything that we feel like we're stuck on or we're uncertain on, or we don't know what we want, that, that answer lives somewhere within us. We just have to do the work to put ourselves in the space to be able to access it. That brings up the point. It's like what you're talking about is how we, the role of a coach. And what I would just say is, is sometimes the best thing we can do is just hold the space for somebody to, to go within themselves and, and kind of find that answer. If, if I don't know is the first response and I say, well, if you did know, what do you think that would be that that is like inviting them to, to re engage with themselves again and be like, okay, do we know down there, you know, and, (laughs) and then just be silent. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the biggest tools I've learned in terms of holding space and allowing people to find those answers within themselves is, is we're, also used to like having to feel fill the space with words and talk in a session like here's more information and sometimes the most powerful thing I can do is just be silent and wait for them to find the thing that they that is there or feel like like the the pressure I'm not just going to to fill this empty space, this awkward silence with more words so that you can stay in a stuck place, right? That there's a, in the spaciousness of just silence and me not giving you any advice or giving you any um, direction, that's when the answer can actually start to rise up within you and you can hear it because we can't speak truth if we don't know what it sounds like. And we can't hear it within ourselves unless we have the spaciousness and get quiet enough to actually come through. Yeah, totally. And that, you know, that, that goes back to exactly what we were saying about the yoga practice and meditation. It's like when you learn to sit in silence and in stillness, the answers come, right? It's the same concept. Um, and it, it really does, does work that way. But I think that's the thing that, is holding a lot of people back from 
feeling like they have the answers or they know what the next step is, or they, they know what, what action they need to take or the direction that they need to go or, or whatever it may be that they're not getting the answers because they're not allowing themselves to, to hear them or to have the space for them to come through. Like you said, you can't, you can't speak truth unless you know what it sounds like. And so if you're just filling your entire day, every day with mental chatter and repeating the same thoughts over and over again, then there's not going to really, really be a lot of space for anything new to come through. There's like that statistic. That's like, I think 97% of the thoughts that we think on a daily basis are the same as the day before. And like, we, we have this perception that we're having like a new experience every single day. And it, the internal mental experience that we're having is very much repetitive and just it, we build that ourselves also is an important thing to understand is what's going on in your head. Like we were talking about in terms of being the observer of your thoughts, we have control over that narrative and that story, but it is tough to switch that and start to change it when you've gotten so used to it when you've become so autopilot and it's day after day after day after day is the same kind of, you know, story. Yeah. Well, then it's really hard to interrupt that and, and switch it to something else, which, which is, you know, a lot of times why people want to work with somebody because they want that help of like, okay, how do I, I'm ready now. I'm ready now. <laughs> I'm sick of this story. How do I finally cut the shit and like change it to something else? Um, but that's so true, isn't it? That a lot of what we're experiencing it's just the same stuff over and over again. Mm -hmm. And for you guys that are listening, you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm like, I need help. What do I do now? Like, cause I can just hear people being like, okay, so what do I do? What do I do? You know? Yeah. And I think probably you would agree. Like when I was in this place, I didn't know what to do either, but I also allowed myself to continue being led by if I read a book or I had a podcast that I really resonated with, like, I would soak that up and then something else would appear that was like the next thing I needed to listen to or learn. But also that's why I hired my coach. I hired my coach because I felt like many people stuck that I knew there was growth and healing available to me. I didn't know how to extract that from myself. And I wanted to work with somebody who could really pull me like like ask me the questions I didn't know how to ask myself or mm -hmm. put me in the experiences or the exercises that would get me seeing my own answers. Like, like many people, you know, are, are wanting. And so one thing I would say is, yeah, find a coach, whether it's me or, or Sam or whoever that you resonate with. Um, but what are some things like that practically maybe somebody listening could take away in terms of first steps? What would you say to somebody that's like, how do I stop? How do I start to reframe that story that's always been in my head and that's getting the results that I'm no longer happy with? What would Yeah. Yeah. I think like a lot of people, a lot of people want a very quick fix. We want a quick fix for everything in life, don't we? Any problem that we have, we're like, okay, what can fix it just the fastest way possible? So the first, I would preface, you know, all of this by saying, you're not, I'm not just going to give you one breathwork exercise or one tool that you can just do it today and your life is fixed and forever fine. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, but there are things that, that really do work. And so you know, if someone is wanting to change that story and that narrative in their, in their mind, the first thing that I would say is 
starting to strengthen or build your awareness and becoming that observer. That is the awareness is the first step to changing anything and everything in our lives because so much of what we do and who we are and how we operate is done on autopilot. And, you know, maybe previously you had these sort of negative or pessimistic outlooks on life, but you just felt like they were part of your humor or like you didn't even question them or think about them. But now, because you've gotten a little bit into the personal development space, you're like, Hey, hang on. I feel like I'm not that positive in my mind and I want to switch that. Okay. Amazing. Because now you've built some awareness. So that's the first place to really start is to continue to build that awareness, becoming the observer of your thoughts, which means when you're going throughout your day, living your life out in the world or in your house, wherever you are, like just noticing when one of those thoughts or stories comes up that you don't like, or that you don't agree with, or that you don't want to continue to entertain, Mm -hmm. right? And actually noticing it and kind of imagining it like a fly, you know, buzzing around and be the, you know, be the karate kid, like grab the fly, Mm -hmm. right? Catch it and be like, look at it and be like, okay, here's an example of one of those thoughts, one of those stories, one of those pieces of negativity that is floating around in my mental space that I don't want anymore. Like for example, just to like really people to like grab onto this and understand like what she's saying is like noticing and getting really clear and aware of what are the stories that are getting you the results in your life that you currently have. Meaning maybe one of those thoughts or the stories is um, work has to be hard or I'm not worthy of having everything that I desire. Yeah. Or like or, men are assholes. I can't. Or- yeah. I can't do that. I don't know. I don't know enough. Like all of these things. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't trust that person. Well, is that actually true or is that the story that we've been believing, right? And that's what she's talking about when she's saying starting to observe and catch these thoughts because they're associated with the story that is um, running the show and getting you the results that you have. Yeah, exactly. So picking up those little, those little sentences, those little nuances, those little thoughts of, you know, whatever that looks like for you of like, oh, my life is so stressful or why does this have to be so hard? Or my boss is an asshole or I'll never get ahead or saving money is too difficult or my business is failing or whatever the wording is in your own mind, because it's going to be individual for every single person. But starting to do that work of becoming the observer and catching those thoughts and really noticing and maybe even writing them down when you catch one, when you find one, right? When, when one pops up and you actually are conscious enough to be like, Hey, okay, there's an example of one of those negative thoughts that I don't want in my space anymore. I'm going to write it down, do that transfer of energy. And that will also just help you build more awareness of like, these are the stories that I tell myself. So then when they continue to pop up because they will, right. Just noticing at one time, isn't going to eliminate it forever, but your awareness will get really, really strong and really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is you'll get quicker at finding those thoughts and noticing them and pulling them out. And then from that space, what you can do is you can question it. Like you said, like, okay, but is that really true? Or how much of this is true? Or is this thought even mine? Where did this thought come from? 
what, do I remember the first time that I experienced this thought, right? Because like I was talking about, you know, thinking about thoughts as these airborne pathogens, it's like none of the things that we've ever thought in our life are really unique to us. Like we're not born. Where did I pick this up? Yeah, exactly. It's like, we're not born with this list of thoughts that we're going to have throughout our life you absorb those from the world and from the people around you. None of your thoughts are unique. They're not yours. They're not you. Mm -hmm. They're random things floating around that are happening to you. So question it. If it's a thought that you don't like, you get to choose to reject it. So how do you reject it? Question it. Is it even mine? Where did it come from? Is it benefiting me to think this thought or to allow space for this thought? Mm-hmm. There's and, always a benefit, even in, in the, the ones that we don't like, because what you'll find, and this is one of the things I tell my clients to ask themselves, what is the benefit of believing this? Because maybe the benefit is that I can stay in avoidance and I don't have to deal with this. Totally. <laughs> and that is for, for many people, like there are those types of benefits to these thoughts that aren't serving you, but the, the benefit is I don't have to deal with it. I can stay in avoidance. It's too hard. Um, I can stay small. I can stay quiet, whatever. I don't have, I don't to, have to change. Vote. I, I, don't, I have don't have to change. change. I don't have to, I don't have to do the work of sitting in the stillness and the silence and the uncomfortability, right? Coming Ooh. back to that, yeah. that theme, right? It's yeah. like, oh, well, I just get to stay in the, the comfortability of what my life looks like right now, which is, you know, that's why I think sometimes people wonder, okay, well, why do I have these traumas or challenges or struggles or disappointments or failures? And it's like, no, realizing that we are not, we're not really going to choose on our own from a space of like, being great and being fine to just jump out into uncomfortability and try new stuff and and do new things. The only way that we really get there is by getting pushed. So that means that the universe, God, your higher self, however you want to identify that force in your life is going to have to make the comfortable situation that you are happy to sit in even though you're thinking like, oh, I don't want this. This isn't great. How can I change this? But you're not really willing yet to do the work to get out of it. Yeah. Maybe then you get furloughed or you get whatever. Like, yep. It's going to have to push you to make that comfortable situation more uncomfortable than the uncomfortable, basically the, the, your discomfort zone. And what I will just add to that is I, I do believe though, our lives are always speaking to us our bodies are always giving us messages. We have gotten these subtle intuitive hits that, oh, this isn't where, what I'm supposed to be doing. This isn't relationship for me. And we've ignored those subtleties. We've ignored those messages. And the reason things accumulate and have to get to the point that they do is because you've ignored all the times your life has tried to tell you that already. Right. And it's not that you just there's a God in the sky that just is like, oh, today I'm going to decide that this guy's going to break up with you so that you can be pushed into this thing. It's no, there's probably been a lot of signs up until this point that you've ignored that said something about this relationship isn't 
working and then it's resulted in something that is now the catalyst for you to wake up to this pattern that you're in. Yeah. Right? Which, which comes a lot of times us ignoring those signs comes from that idea that we were speaking about of not, not being able to tap into the answers, right. Of, of using, of doing that excuse of, of, I don't know. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, maybe I sh- maybe I should break up with this guy. I don't know. What do you think I should do? I don't know. And it's like, but you do know, right? You do know. That's why you're asking. Yep. You do know, but you're just looking for that permission mm-hmm. to actually like feel like it's okay to feel the way that you feel and take action on it, even if that action is scary or uncertain. Mm-hmm. That's why we let a lot of those signs pass, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that you know I think people will benefit from by starting to do this practice of getting more in tune with themselves and their bodies and their thoughts and becoming the observer, pulling out the negative stories and things that they don't want to leave space for anymore and choosing to kind of question them and rewrite them is you just become a lot more attuned with yourself and your intuition, right? And then those signs, they feel a lot louder when you're more in tune with your intuition. So the early signs that maybe, you know, earlier on in your life, you would have completely blown past and ignored and and had to get pushed to the the breakup or the firing or the failure or whatever to be like, ah, shit. Okay. Now I have to change. You know, those initial things, they, they feel so much bigger and louder and you can trust them a lot more because you've learned to trust them because you've learned that they're right. They've been speaking to you this whole time. Well, and this is how we develop self-trust for those who are like, Oh, I just don't trust myself to make the right decision or blah, blah, blah. I'm always looking for someone else to validate my decision or, or tell me that they think like this is the relationship for me or whatever. And the moments that you decide because your choice, like your power is in the choices that you make, like in your power to choose who you listen to and what thoughts you listen to and all that, you build trust with yourself when you honor those messages and you act upon the information and the intelligence that you've received from you. (laughs) And that can come in the form of other people and it can come in the form of other things. But did, did this, again, did this originate from me or someone else is telling me and putting their expectations on me? And I think so many get people get trapped in things because they're attached to the expectation of, oh, I'm supposed to want to get married or, oh, I'm supposed to I guess I'm, I need to be an entrepreneur. So I'm attached to that, but that's not even what I truly want. It's, I've, I've, it's what I'm expected to want. Right. And so the thing about, um, like your inability, this is so big. I really think like your inability for so many people to love yourself is not an inability to love. It's an inability to respect yourself Hmm. because you've broken your word to yourself and broken the promises that you've made over and over and over again by not listening to what you know is true for you. And then you've gone out into the world to find evidence to confirm that you don't have to listen to that voice. Yeah. Like if I can get enough friends to tell me that he's the one, I can continue to ignore the part of me that's telling me it's not. Yeah. Um, But honor begins within you when you start to honor 
what you Yeah, when you and I think that's a really good point when you think about okay, love, if we just think about love in general with with other people in our lives, what is love really based on? It's based on trust and respect. And if you don't trust someone and you don't respect them, then it's really hard to love them. So how are you going to love yourself if you don't trust yourself to follow through with your word, make good decisions and listen to yourself and respect yourself enough to do what you know is best for you, even if it's not what's best for everybody else. Which and is I would huge- just say it is. I think if you do the thing that is best for you, it ultimately is best for everyone. Oh you yeah, yeah. See it. it. They might not. They might not have the the ability to have that perception. But ultimately, if you make the decision that honors you, maybe to say, "Hey, this relationship isn't for me." It might hurt that person, but the thing you think is going to hurt them might be the best thing to help them because now they're free to go find somebody who is does want to be with them, right? And that's yeah. the most loving thing I can do for you if I care, you know. So. I do think that is a little shift is like, because people are afraid, oh, I don't want to hurt them. But maybe the thing that's most honoring for you is the best thing you can do for them. Yeah, totally. I think it was, I can't remember where I read this or saw this. And I think it may have been in Glennon Doyle's um, most, most recent book, which was, yeah, as you know, it was so, so freaking good. If you guys haven't read that, you have to read it untamed by Glennon Doyle. But um, yeah, she was talking about this idea of like, it's not my job to please everybody else. It's my job to honor my highest self. And by doing that, you are, like you said, you're doing what's best for the the world and everybody else and the highest good because Mm -hmm. you shrinking yourself or staying small or pretending to be a version that you're actually not, how is that what's best for everybody else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In what what world? Her, what she said is that like, um, there was part of her that was like, oh, I want to stay in this marriage for my kids. Right. And then she was like, but what I want my marriage for my kids, what I want this for them but I'm willing to be, to sacrifice my own well-being and happiness because I'm thinking doing, doing the honorable thing. And she was like, that's when I realized I'm not meant to be a martyr. I'm meant to be a model. And us making decisions of self on, that are self-honoring is modeling to whoever is in our lives that it is safe and okay to honor yourself. And there, yes. are, there are not enough things in our lives that we, that we do honor. If we, and here's the thing, if we don't honor ourselves, no one else will. (laughs) Yeah. Coming back to that idea of self-love, it's like everybody always says, how how are you going to love anybody else if you can't love yourself? And that's like totally cliche, but at the same time, it's so true because you, the way that you love yourself and respect yourself and show up for yourself is the model (laughs) for the other people in your life for how to love you, right? You are, you are presenting the example. You are presenting what is acceptable to you, what's available to you, all the things by the way that you move through the world and show up for yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you want people to love you better, then maybe you need to work on loving and trusting and respecting yourself better so that you can improve that model. Mm. Yeah. This has been so good. I feel like they, we could go on and on and on. Um, 
Thank you. This has been really, really, really good. How do people stay connected with you and your work and what you're doing um, online if they want to, to know more? Yeah, I would love um, to connect with you guys more. So you can find me on Instagram at underscore Samantha Daily. Um, I've got a podcast as well. It's called Makeshift Happen. You can find all the links to that um, in my bio on Instagram. And then if you want to check out my website and see some of the work that I do, it's just SamanthaDaily.com. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. And I knew this conversation was going to be like this because we didn't even prep anything. We were just like winging it, free flowing it. Cause I knew, I knew we'd be able to riff off of each other and just have yeah. an amazing conversation. So I hope everybody listening enjoyed it too. Cause I feel like this was almost just like a treat for, for me to be able to sit and have one of these conversations with such a, yeah, a beautiful like-minded person like you. So thanks so much for having me on Tori. I appreciate yeah. it. So welcome. We'll do it again for sure. And we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let us know. I would love for you to screenshot this episode. Tag us online. I'm at Coach Tori Gordon on all platforms. And would love to hear what you learned, what you took away, and how you're going to implement it to change your own life. Go out, make some shift happen, and I can't wait to see you next week. And hopefully at the Relationship Masterclass, go get that discount. 